Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 25th of February. Last February, uh, last Saturday in February. Yes, we hope it's uh, not the last February. <laughs> Uh, coming up, uh, well, as you can hear, Pierre's back. Lucky us, listeners. Lucky us. That's right. I, I, I would, I would hate to think what you said to me over the, la- the next last so, two weeks. But that's then right. again, and there go- are no podcasts for you to to produce any evidence for. That's right. But you are going to be missing for the next two weeks, <laughs> so I'll be able to um, get my own back. But uh, anyway, it's good to be back, and I've been thrown back into the panel, so hopefully not too many glitches. But I'm sure I can remember it. Well, we can only hope, listener. Let me tell you though what's coming up on today's program in the second part of the show. We're going to hear from Dr. Sapali Godagoda, uh, and she is the Executive Director for the Women and Media Collective. She's a founding coordinator of the Sri Lankan Women's NGO Forum, and she has a, a bunch of other accolades that are attached to her name. She's here on the JIRA um, a delegation to Australia, JIRA stands for Justice, Equality, Rights, Access International. It's a delegation of about 15 grassroots um, community organisers in Sri Lanka, all women. Um, but we will speak with the head of the delegation, and that is Dr. Sapali. And that is what's coming up in the second part of the program. But of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And those details, Pierre. That's right. You can get us on our website, all the w's.aawl.org.au, or you can go to our Facebook site, or you can always give us a ring on 9663-7277, and we're always happy to um, get feedback, which uh, we often do. So, great. So... Before we launch straight into it, Pierre, last week was Subscriber Drive, which I didn't really talk about in any detail, but it is important to um, support your local community radio station, 3CR. A subscription to the um, to the station is not a, a lot of money. I think it's about $100 for those that are waged, and um, there are progressive fees. So if you're not waged or anything like that, the fees are less. That gives you a year subscription to 3CR. It means that you're a member and you've got rights as far as representation is concerned. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of discounts associated with your membership. So please jump on the website or the w's.3cr.org.au um, and subscribe. Well, Giselle, I think you've just uh, upped the um, the subscription rate. I think it's seventy dollars wage and thirty five. Uh, I think concession. I think th- those that are waged. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's there's a hundred and thirty dollar solidarity um, uh, thing. So my anyway, apologies, listeners. I hope that you're a subscriber. <laughs> I, I doesn't am. sound like I am, does it? So, of course I am. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there you go, listeners. If you don't, if you like what you hear, subscribe and so keep us on the air. But we go straight to the uh, the news item. We um, this um, this week. Um, there was a delegation of maritime union workers from Newcastle that drove almost a thousand kilometres to the northern Victorian city of Echuca to deliver thousands of dollars to the Parmalat workers who have been locked out of their workplace since January 18. So it's uh, getting on to five weeks. Now, 65 workers were locked out indefinitely from the 
Parmalat Dairy Processing Facility at Echuca after workers rejected the company's attempts to impose major cuts to the wages and working conditions. Of course, Parmalat is a huge global company involved in the dairy industry. Now, the um, the MUA um, people that went there said that they went there because we're seeing more and more uh, employees trying to cut the paying conditions of the workers, refusing to bargain in good faith and then locking them out. Um, this dispute is very similar to the Carlton United uh, brewery dispute where it lasted um, uh, just about six months and maritime workers are showing solidarity because they've had to put up with atrocious behaviour from employers such as Hutchinson, Patrick Stevedores uh, and uh, CSL Melbourne and MV Portland ships. So as uh, workers, they've also had a gut full and they're very keen to show solidarity with other workers. So um, well done, um, comrades. And we brought you a bit uh, on the uh, dispute at Farima Garments uh, in the Cavite Export Processing Zone in the Philippines. They have had a bit of a, a win as some small concessions earlier this month. Uh, when their three-month-long uh, dispute uh, has come to some kind of agreement between them and the company. The dispute centred on the company's resolve to destroy the workers' union and slash conditions. The workforce of around a 1,000 mainly women workers stayed united even after being dismissed and their determination allowed them to win further gains. The workers were able to get an additional substantial financial assistance package, the gifting of a number of sewing machines as well as the option of rehiring in the future. The solidarity of other workers in the Philippines and internationally was also of crucial importance in winning this dispute. We now go to um, to Thailand, where the sort of um, it's both a piece of bad news and also good news. This one, and it, it involves uh, one of our jail comrades that we've talked a lot about here, Somyot uh, Pruksakam Samsuk, because the, um, the his case is still going, uh, was still going in the courts, even though he's been in jail since May two thousand and eleven. So basically, the Supreme Court uh, uh, this week. Uh, handed a sentence uh, against Somyot um, of seven years for publishing articles deemed offensive to the monarchy. Now, the the, the fact, though, is that uh, Somyot has been in jail since May 2011. And um, what the Supreme Court verdict, even though it's a sentence, it actually um, goes against the appeals court sentence of 10 years. So in actual fact, while it's a new sentence, it's actually a reduction of three years. Um, so what that um, means, this was quite unexpected, both both the, the timing of it and the, um, and, and the sentence itself. Now, because someone has been uh, in jail six years already, the verdict means that he will um, probably be released sometime in the next 14 months. Now, someone is actually is the longest serving prisoner under Les Majest in Thailand at the present moment. And while um, it's great that he's had three years removed from his sentence, He's really, he still already has been in jail for six years for a crime, really, that, that shouldn't even exist, Les Majest, and he's still facing at least one year. So the fight continues, and certainly on a related meta, there is an ongoing, just another person who's um, a Thai student activist, Jatupat uh, Bunpat 
Raksa is currently in pre-detention um, for sharing an article on Facebook and is facing Les Majeste. And there is actually an international campaign to send postcards to Pi. But you'll get more information on AWL website um, from tomorrow. So um, have a look. And we go to South Korea. The uh, We brought you a lot of stories about Samsung Company and its atrocious health and safety record, a very small victory in that area with the arrest of the vice chair of that company. The arrest of Lee Jae-young, Samsung, Samsung's electronics vice chairman, on bribery charges is a small victory for the workers' movement in South Korea. His arrest is connected to the political influence peddling scandal that has forced the South Korean president, Park Geun-hee, to step aside amid unprecedented mass protests. At the same time, the fight by labour activists against the deadly occupational health and safety conditions at Samsung Electronics continues. In the last few weeks, another two workers, Kim Ki-chol and Huang, died from work-related diseases. To fight against a global giant like Samsung, workers do need to organise and take coordinated actions internationally. That's right. It's interesting to see how that's going to um, um, develop over the, this year, what's happening, the political crisis in South Korea. Um, we go to another a country in West Asia this time, Iran, where once again Iranian labor activists are facing the repressive actions of the Iranian government as it tries to contain workers' anger. This month, an appeal for retrial of Ismail Abdi, a prominent teacher activist, was dismissed by the Supreme Court. Ismail is serving a six-year sentence for organising workers. In another case, there is an international campaign to keep Reza Shahabi, and we've talked a lot about uh, Reza in the past, out of jail. Reza is an organiser for the bus union in Tehran and is currently on bail due to his poor health. Ismail and Reza are only two of the many labour activists who are languishing in Iranian prisons at the present moment. And we do want to announce International Women's Day, which is coming up on March the 8th. That is not next Wednesday, but the following. And actually, this year in Melbourne, um, International Women's Day is commemorating 100 years since the Russian Revolution. Um, And the Russian Revolution was, in fact, sparked by uh, an International Women's Day rally. So that means this year in Melbourne, we're raising the demand, peace, bread and land. Additionally, Victoria Trades Hall is organising its annual Women's Rights at Work Festival. For more details about that, check out uh, the VTHC website and the details of the Melbourne IWD rally are 5.30pm on March the 8th at Parliament House. And uh, Giselle is one of the organisers. I'll put you on the spot. How many people are you expecting? <laughs> Three. No, I'm kidding. Actually, it looks like this year um, International Women's Day is riding the wave of the anti-Trump protests and the women's marches. It looks like it's going to be quite a significant turnout, around 7,000, I reckon. Ooh, that's, uh, that's, that's great. That's big. Yeah. The last time we had a, um IWD that was that big was 2003, which was the Iraq War. Right, right, right. Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's, let, let's see. So everyone get there and make it even bigger. Uh, as our last item for the, our news uh, item roundup, it's, um, we go to Saudi Arabia, where reports indicate that in the last few months, Saudi Arabia has expelled around 40,000 migrant workers from Pakistan. Using concerns around security issues, 
the Saudi Arabian government is expelling large numbers of migrant workers to curtail any efforts at workplace organising. Many of these workers are still owed unpaid wages and face difficult times back in their own countries. These deportations are occurring in a climate of economic and social difficulties where migrant workers are being used as scapegoats and blamed for these problems. In actual fact, migrant workers in the Gulf countries in West Asia have consistently been used as cheap and disposable labour by national governments. And that uh, brings us to the end of the roundup of uh, labour stories from our region for this week. We'll have a, a new suite of them next week. We'll go to uh, some community announcement and then we'll be back with that um, interview. Join the International Women's Day Rally on Wednesday the 8th of March at 5.30pm starting at Parliament House and finishing at Trades Hall for an after party. International Women's Day sparked the Russian Revolution 100 years ago and in honour and memory of our sisters then who took strike action over bread, we raised the demand, peace, bread and land. Join us for the IWD Rally on Wednesday, March the 8th at 5.30pm at Parliament House. Contact the women's team at Trades Hall for more details or visit unionwomen.org.au. The IWD Collective, Victoria Trades Hall Council and the Trades Hall Women's Team are 3CR supporters. CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. It is 14 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. JIRA, which stands for Justice, Equality, Rights, Access International, has a delegation of about 15 women from grassroots organisations across Sri Lanka. The head of the delegation is Dr Sapali Kotagoda. She is the Executive Director for the Women and Media Collective. She's the founding coordinator of the Sri Lankan Women's NGO Forum and was the chair of Asia Pacific Women's Watch. She's a visiting lecturer on the postgraduate program in Gender and Women's Studies at the University of Colombo. She's an executive board member of the South Asia Women's Fund, the National Committee on Women in Sri Lanka, the Subcommittee on Migration of the Sri Lankan Human Rights Commission and the Task Force on Ending Violence Against Women and lastly, the Council of the Social Scientists Association Sri Lanka. She's also the author of numerous publications on women and she joins us on Asia Pacific Currents this morning. Good morning, Dr Sapali. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So uh, we want to talk a little bit about the delegation to Australia and what your objectives are and how it's been, because you've been in the country for two weeks now and you're returning to Sri Lanka tomorrow. Is that correct? Uh, yes, we have been here actually for three weeks. Um, 
and uh, the delegation comprises uh, representatives from women's organizations uh, that work on the rights of free trade zone women workers, plantation workers, rural women, uh, women uh, living in now the post-conflict areas, uh, women who have campaigned for many years uh, to increase uh, the political representation of women in Sri Lanka, and also uh, women who have been engaged in policy uh, reform, advocacy for policy reform, for example, on domestic violence uh, in, in, in the country. The, um, there are a couple of things in um, what you've described in terms of who the women are on the delegation that I actually want to get a little bit into if that's possible. The plight of plantation workers, which we've talked about a lot on this particular radio station um, because we know that in Sri Lanka um, the tea plantation workers are very, very heavily exploited but are effectively living in extreme poverty and aren't even paid wages um, that, that, are, that are survivable wages. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the situation for plantation workers? Yes, uh, I think all the issues you have uh, pointed to are, are correct. Um, the, what we have been looking at and the women who are representing the plantation sector, we have looked at uh, another aspect, which is um, these women work from, you know, they get up at 4 or 5 in the morning, they go to work by 8, and they work till 4 in the evening. Uh, and later, if depending on what the their uh, catch is, at least their pick, the tea that they have picked and the, and the number of kilos that they have been able to pick. Now, what are the what are the services that are available to these women in terms of care of their children? Um they, the plantation sector is caught between administrative uh, uh, rules and regulations. For example, most of the plantation sector does not come under the purview of local government authority, which means that the women who are there are unable to make use of the kinds of services that even local government can uh, provide. So they have a and they have very um, the, the standard of childcare or the creches that are available in the plantations are not really up to any kind of national uh, level. And so the women who work longer than the men, although they get the same daily wage, have uh, the, uh, you know, the burden of looking after their children, making sure that they are, well look- that they are fed, they are, uh, you know, safe, and that they have to get, they have to be picked up after the women finish work. I mean, all that is an area also that has not been uh, focused on, because we we just I mean I think the the many many governments see them only as people who are picking tea, and not really the responsibilities that they have as mothers and as wives and as women themselves. So I'm just in, uh, bringing in another aspect because. Because the the struggle for increasing their wages has been long, we have with us a, a, a woman who is a founder of the first women-only trade union, and they are also trying to push those issues that are faced by women plantation workers. 
Well, it, it's not um, uncommon in the history of the labour movement, I guess, worldwide, that women's voices are marginalised. So the yes. uh, the establishment of that women's only union, particularly in relation to the voices of women's plantation workers, sounds like quite a significant achievement. Yes. You also talked about the... Um, the, the work that's being done um, among women in the post-conflict areas. I mean, post-conflict, we um, I think we can all accept that that is not necessarily entirely an accurate description, but I think we know what we mean when we say that. So what what is the current situation for people in the, the post-conflict um, areas of Sri Lanka? The... The, I think the most critical uh, issue that faces women living in the post-conflict uh, areas is access to income and economic security. And uh, what we find is that there is a there is this. I think it's not necessarily only Sri Lanka, but so most certainly in South Asia, uh, microcredit is seen as a panacea for you know for all uh, economic. Uh, 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 challenges and many women uh, uh, get caught in, in it, it becomes a trap because finance companies come in offer them uh, seemingly extremely good rates many women don't understand the, what happens when you take a loan and how these repayments uh, are demanded and in this in the post-conflict areas these women have been finding themselves in very um, serious financial difficulties because of the way in which microcredit is uh, is kind of uh, being uh, microcredit credit institutions are are being allowed to go in and and I think uh, take the vulnerabilities use the vulnerabilities of these women and that is a huge issue. So yes, the so- economic uh, security is a very very uh, very deep and I think widespread issue in for women in conflict post conflict uh, areas. So what is the response? Is the response to educate women about the uh, implications of these microfinance loans or is it to organize in a very different way and actually um, bring people together in a united way and actually demand work and livable wages and those kinds of things. I mean, I'm finding it difficult to to even grasp because it sounds like there is no industry to speak of in the post-conflict zone. So so where do you begin to rebuild your community and society in those areas? Yeah, I think one uh, uh, strategy that women's organisations, for example, like the Surya Women's Development Centre, which is based in Batiklo, is doing is to raise awareness amongst these women about uh, the implications of going into microcredit uh, transactions. And also, they have done a lot of, they are doing work to raise issues of these kinds of challenges and, and the need to give viable uh, income-generating uh, options to women. I mean, that's, you know, the, the there is, it's very narrow still. I mean, they, most women would be would, are looking to work as wage workers. Uh, the uh, as you say, industry is not uh, something that we find widespread. Uh, definitely not in the in the post conflict areas. Although there are garment factories that are coming up, uh, and women are being pushed to uh, go into those 
those enterprises. And what is also happening is that women in post-conflict areas are being encouraged to come into garment factories in and around uh, Colombo, for example, the Katunaika women's uh, the Katunaika free trade zone, and the uh, representative of Dabindu, uh, which is an organisation that works in with these women, with women working in the free trade zones, have found that they, the women who come from the north uh, post-conflict areas find it find themselves, you know, they don't know the language. They don't know the uh, the, the tra- travel around uh, in and around because most buses don't have um, the destinations written in Tamil, and they are, they they don't you know they find it difficult to live in the kind of conditions that they they have to, and many of them return to their uh, villages in the north. So you you know it's it's you have to look at the post-conflict uh, situation of post women in post-conflict areas. One is in the areas that they live in, and one is oh, another aspect is where they are being drawn into work in uh, uh, factories such as the free trade zones, where they don't the facilities and the services are not geared to uh, responding to their needs. Thanks for that uh, explanation. You've painted a very good picture of the issues that these women face um, and also uh, the situation in the post-conflict areas. But just as a continuation of what you're talking about, obviously there has been in Sri Lanka a very unfortunate uh, war uh, going on and there's uh, ethnic issues between uh, Tamils and uh, Sinhalese that's been exploited by various forces. How does that play out in your work in trying to organise uh, women workers? Uh, does it make a difficulty in trying to organise and unite women from the two different communities? Well, uh, first we have three communities. We have to uh, include the Muslim community as well. Um, and they have also been, uh, you know, uh, subjected to the conflict uh, over the last 30 years. What I think the women's organizations are, uh, have done on, d- during the war, before the war and during the war, and now, uh, now that, well, I think I should use the word conflict, uh, the war is something that has, is yet to be resolved, I think, the conflict, is we have had good links. We have tried to maintain links with women's organizations that are working uh, in now post-conflict areas, and that has been the strength because even during the period of the war, we had exchange visits. We had, uh, uh, in fact, the first, the only time that women's issues got into a conflict uh, negotiation uh, process was uh, when the women's organizations collaborated in having a mission that went to the north and east to see what the situation of women was. That was 2002, and that report was uh, resulted in the Subcommittee on Gender, uh, which was part of that negotiation at the time between the LTT and the Sri Lankan government. Uh, We have maintained links. We have shared, uh, wherever possible, their issues with the policymakers. We have been able to do campaigns to raise concerns of women living in the then conflict areas. 
um, I think that those relationships have been maintained by the commitment uh, of women working in the South as well as the North and East. Um, Dr. Sapali, thank you so, so much for your time on the program today. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of the discussion, but it has been fascinating. I know it feels like we had to cut it short, but we actually have because we've run out of time. But um, I hope that I would have liked to have heard how you felt the delegation went, but we'll provide an, a report to our listeners in another way. Um, but thank you and all the best with the uh, continuation of your work. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Sapali Kotagoda. She's the head of the delegation to Australia that was organised by JIRA, the Justice, Equality, Rights, Access International. It's a delegation of about 15 women who are organising around grassroots movements in Sri Lanka. So you've just heard a few of those. One is organising workers in plantation, in the plantation industry, um, and also in uh, post-conflict zones and also around domestic violence. It's 29 minutes past nine o'clock. It really is the end of the show, Pierre. That's right. That's right, Giselle. And so um, if you want to know more about uh, these issues, um, have a look at our website uh, from tomorrow. They'll be, they'll be up and certainly uh, we'll put a podcast of this program over the next um, few days. And uh, like Giselle said, we'll uh, give you more feedback about this uh, this um, this trip, the solidarity trip by this group of women activists. But that's really all that we've got time for. We've got uh, Palestine Remembered coming up soon after a couple of community announcements. So really that's all from us, um, Pierre Morrow. And Giselle Hanna. And don't forget to keep listening to 3CR Radio, to subscribe to 3CR Radio and to keep listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.